thought we were. I thought we were on the air there. <laughs> well, we I mean, now. Protect it. <laughs> now we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to get that headbutt story out of the way before we start recording. <laughs> and, on, and on that note, welcome to another week of the Live Life and Christmas Show. <laughs> Hogan, Mike Mahler here. So, uh, yeah, y'all got a little tad bit. You got a little bit of the pre-recording that we normally do. We have our little chats in the background, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> we're we're live now. We're not live, but we're recording. So, oh, what's okay. up, folks? Good. <laughs> yeah, we got Paul right. Taliban here. He's been on the show. He's been on the show before. A good friend of mine here in Vegas. Interesting guy, and also a very successful entrepreneur now. I mean, last time we spoke to him, he was running his own coffee business, and fast forward a few years later, that business has been sold, and he's already doing another business venture, and he's teamed up with Flex Wheeler, legendary bodybuilder. And he's crushing it with that. So welcome, man. How are, how are things going with you? Uh, good, man. Just uh, always, always trying to keep busy. You know, <laughs> I got too many, I got too many ideas and too many, uh, too many thoughts not to to sit around. So I try to act yeah, on them that. and you know just have fun with it. Really. Let's let's talk about Angry Joe for a minute. The coffee company. When did you start? You started that in 2015, 16. 15, yeah, the end of 2015. Right. And, and you sold it, it last year. Last you sold it last year, two thousand eight. Yep. Yep. Almost three, exactly three years later. So, what so, was that journey like? You started. You came up with this idea. You started moving this product, and then you were out there very aggressively doing functions to build awareness. How did it, How did it go from that to someone being interested in buying it? Uh, well, you know, it was just it was kind of like it was. It wasn't. In, I wasn't like planning on selling the business at the time. I just I started uh, again because I I get overzealous and I didn't have a lot of manpower and I I wanted to do a uh, a mobile truck for locally here in Vegas to start mm-hmm. hitting some events and do do the events and uh, whatever whatever would come my way I could do it right out of the truck you know sell right. and whatever but um I just I realized I came to a head of where I had just had so much going on I mean sales were pretty good but at the same time I had a lot lot more money going out and I and I I I just didn't have enough time in the day to try to get everything done that I was trying to do so um, I actually just put the truck up for sale and one of my main uh, retailers out here uh, or my main retailer out here he uh, he seemed interested and another retailer of mine was was interested in the truck and then um, just started negotiating and they uh, they asked me if they you know if I'd be interested in selling part of the business and then I was like I just know myself if I sold part of the business and I was still involved I know I would do way more work than yeah. my portion that I would have yeah. kept so right. I just kind of you know the counter offered and said would you be interested in buying the whole thing and uh, that's kind of how it got started so because um, as much as I was passionate about it you know I wish I was and it's uh, business is business I feel like you build right. a business to sell it at the end of the day that's that's how I look at it you know yeah. Um, well, you want to have that as an option for sure. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's not something you're thinking about initially, you want to have like with my supplement business, I don't, I don't have any desire to sell it right now, but I do have that in the back of my mind of build this thing up big enough. So that's an option if you want to do it five, mm-hmm. 10 years down the line. Yeah. And, and another thing too, was I just, you know, I, I, in my head, I was like, you know, I, I might not have an opportunity to sell it again, you know, where right. someone might not right. you know, down the road where I might be in the negative. And yeah. because that's kind of where I saw it going, not in a bad way. It was actually, I was growing, the business was growing and sales were growing, but I just didn't have the capital to have build the manpower. So right. I looked at it as a win. You know, someone was interested and liked the brand and wanted to buy it. And just, it just seemed right. You know, I would have done right. it if it didn't seem right, but it just seemed like sure. the right thing to do at the time. And the other business yeah. was kind of coming up as well at the same time. So I definitely was getting in over my head. So <laughs> so just it, it worked were you out. working it, were you working full time paul you, you you were a bartender before you started doing all this were you still doing that during the entire no, duration no no i left, I left shortly after i started angry joe about i'd say about five months after i started okay. it just because i realized i had to kind of give it a 100 percent effort you know 
And now you, so you, teamed you have, up. Um, do you have any involvement now whatsoever with Angry Joe Coffee? Because I know they still use your image on, you know, on the logo and all that. And pretty much everything still looks the same as when you were there. So are you, did they like do an option where they bought everything and you just like a chairman or a front guy or some, something like that? Uh, no, I mean, it's the only thing that's left of, that's left of me in that business is my face on the logo, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, which is still funny to me. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they're gonna I mean, drive by. They're gonna drive the owner. The new owner's gonna drive by your house and his his brand new Cadillac from all the sales he's generated. And be like, thanks a lot, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Of people are like, oh, you shouldn't have sold all of it. I'm like, yeah, but it's just I'm I'm smart enough to know that where like I, I was like I said, I was really I was working hard. I was passionate about it, but I'm also you know if I see the writing on the wall, um, I have to I have to kind of make a decision. And yeah. I also, yeah. I, not that I get bored, I just get antsy and I want to do other things and I have other things I want to focus on too. So I just, I, it, like I said, it felt right. So I went for it. Yeah. And what's this new business venture you're working? How, well, first of all, let's, let's talk about what it is and then how you, how Flex Wheeler got involved with it. Cause that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And that's another thing. I, so, um, you know, now looking back the back widow, basically it's a, uh, it's an all in one, it's like the Swiss Army knife for handles in the gym. It's an all-in-one handle. You could do everything with it. Any handle that you would use for cables or T-bar rows or anything like that, uh, it's a bar jack as well. It, it it does it all in one shot. So it collapses down, it folds out, whatever. Um, you kind of would have to see it to understand it. But at the same time, um, it's literally like a best bang for your buck type of thing, especially if you have a, you know, if you have a home gym or whatever. I mean, it could really – it's so versatile. It could be used commercially. It could be used in home gyms. It could be used everywhere, really. Um, but my, and the you, main you take idea it to the gym. You, you take oh, it to yeah. the gym, don't you? I saw you at the gym one time with this. This is something, yeah. and then that's what it looks like. It looks like a big, it looks like a Swiss Army equivalent of, of different handles and bars. Yep, yep. So I, when I was at the gym the one day, I just kind of had this this idea. A friend of mine um, owns. He his. I don't know if you know who Brandon Allen is. He's a powerlifter guy, um, but he he invented this thing called the vert pool. Which is like a, yeah. this platform. Yeah, Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I called him the one day just just because I was looking at that thing. I was at a gym, I was at a certain gym and they had one. So I, I was like, oh, if he actually made the the back end part of it that's welded to the platform, if he made that removable, it's in the same shape as a mini bar jack that Rogue makes. So he could right. totally make that into two different pieces and have two different options with it because it's a pretty big piece of equipment, you know. Um, so that was kind of got the I I I kind of knew he wasn't going to follow up on it, but I called him and gave him the idea, and he's like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. But then that just kind of got my wheels spinning, and uh, I was like, oh, I've never seen any kind of like bar jack slash multi handle that does everything. So that's kind of I just started taking some haphazard measurements and went to Home Depot and bought some PVC pipe <laughs> and put the first original <laughs> uh, first original shape of it together and. Like I said, I, it was kind of really quick when I did it, and all the measurements kind of worked out immediately, which was good. And then I just started putting feelers out there. I figured out how to weld and uh, made one out of scrap metal. I had a friend help me make one out of scrap, <laughs> scrap metal. And, uh, and then I carried that thing around. And then people at the gym were always asking what it was. And um, and a lot of the – which is cool is that more I use it, I found more uses for it too. So then I got connected um, – a friend of mine who was a manager at a uh, machine shop was like, "Hey, I have a friend up in uh, friend up in Northern California that's an engineer. He would definitely be interested in taking a look at this." So I I sent him the prototype, and this guy ended up doing all the engineering for it to put it in like the CAD files and and get a real real prototype made so it's collapsible. And um, and again, he did work all pro bono, hoping to hoping to get something on the back end, and. Um, so that that kind of reassured me that I had a good idea that people were willing to, you know, give time out of their busy life to help oh, yeah. me out. And Definitely. so, looking back now, if I had to get a business plan together and, and raise money to start it from nothing, I would have probably needed a quarter of a million dollars. And I've been I've been lucky enough to, you know, then then as I was walking around with the gym with the prototype before I got the real prototype. Oh no, that's wait, back up a minute. So I ended up getting the the real prototype in hand. And that needed some tweaks, so we sent it back and forth. And by the time I had it functionable, I, I took it to the gym, and then a guy that I knew was like, hey, man, that thing is awesome. And I was telling him about how I needed to find a manufacturer because I was 
kind of got a couple quotes in the States here, and it was just too ridiculously high. So um, he had a friend he ride Harleys with. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's a, he's a manufacturer, and he deals with China a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. so I got in touch with this guy. He gave me a quote, and I needed some startup capital. I needed, like, some, some capital to get the first run of these handles. And the guy that actually connected us was, again, wanted part of it because he really liked it, and he fronted the money for that. <laughs> and then, uh, nice. It was kind of like – then I got it to – then once I got it to – we actually got – um, got these handles in, in the making and the works. Uh, I met Flex Wheeler through a guy who runs uh, Protein House, and I just asked him if he'd be interested in checking it out and using it. And as soon as he used it, he really, really, really liked it. And uh, so that's kind of how the Flex Wheeler partnership happened. And uh, now we're here. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you exemplify taking charge of this stuff, right? Because people come up with ideas all the time and it goes nowhere. They'll tell two friends about, oh, hey, I got this great idea. And then they'll tell five people, but they're not going to do what you did. Go to Home Depot and come up with your own prototype, get the ball moving, find the connections, take it to the gym, which is smart. Other people are going to see it, be curious about it. I think right. that's, that's one thing that, that you embody really well. You did it with your own copy company. Now you're doing it with this. And I think that's a good lesson for people listening who want to start their own businesses because everybody yeah, also, comes up with ideas, but how do you execute them? Yeah. Right. Also, he didn't half-ass when the opportunities were there. So when people were interested, he didn't sit there like, oh, okay. And then just like, yeah, it's cool. I really like it. You know, it's just something I had going on in my head and then walk away from it. Whereas when people are interested, he's like, he's capitalizing on that moment. You know, so you got flex right there. He's like, oh, no, I really like this. And so he didn't like exactly. half-ass, like, all right, man, I'll get back to you. In, you know, let me get back to you in a couple of weeks and let you know, because, you know, that might have been your only chance to talk to him about the whole thing. No, you're absolutely right. I'm What I'm really good at is following up. If you say, if someone tells you that they're going to do something, you better be sure that I'm going to probably call you by the next day or within the next two days <laughs> and really, right. like, gonna harass you until you do what you said you were going to do. <laughs> That's, and that's, and that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good time to kind of follow up. I have a friend who does follow up too, but it's irritating follow up. It'll be like, hey man, check out this, <laughs> check out this video with Greg Geraldo on YouTube. And then you see him the next day, hey, did you check it out yet? It's like, no, motherfucker, I haven't checked it out yet. All right. The next time you ask me, I still am not going to check it out. And now that, yeah. now that you're following up, I'm really not going to check it out. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're following up with something half retarded, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, like, you don't remember that you told me to go watch that video. Like, it's that important that you see me the next day. You're like, oh, hey, man, did you watch that clip yet? It's like, no, I haven't. I got to check the deal. they're dying to talk about it. You go watch it. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm just, I'm a stickler on that. It's kind of, it's kind of my beliefs in life. Like I would never say I would do something for someone and then right. not do it. I would just right. tell you I can't do it or, you know, I just give you what I think. But, um, I just, because I, I, I work that way. I expect other people to work that way. Cause you know, especially in Vegas, you get a lot of, you know, a lot of blowhards, a lot of talkers and, you know. Oh yeah. I think that's a universal so, phenomenon, but it's definitely concentrated yeah. here. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just everyone wants to. I mean, especially I feel like especially out here, it's everyone's trying to be something, or even if they're trying to be something that they're not, they're just trying to put it out there, you know. So I take everything with a grain of salt. But if you say you're going to do something, you better be sure that I'm going to, I'm definitely going to fall, call you out on it. <laughs> so well, the good thing is like you actually had a product right there in your hand, so you wouldn't just go and blow smoke up somebody's ass. Like, hey, man, I got this tool that uh, you know, and this, that, and the other. And they're like, okay, where is it? Oh, I'm still working on it. You know, it's just yeah, like what yeah, yeah, exactly. you know. You see this all the time, like on shows, like the Prophet and whatever's like they have nothing, or like Shark Tank, they have nothing to really back this up. It's just like, okay, you want me to fund or get the word out there about something that doesn't even exist yet? Are you serious right now? And people really have that happen doing that stuff, man. Well, I had, funny story just made me think. Of this. I had this guy at the gym come up to me and when he saw it, and you know, and I, I've talked to him before, but you know, I don't, I only know him just from quick conversations at the ship. So the guy immediately tells me he's a designer and he knows how to like do certain things. And I'm like, Oh, great. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I could really help you with this. He's like, you know, it's cool, but I could really, you know, make it much better. I'm like, Oh wow. I was like, I would love that, please. And, uh, so of course, <laughs> and he was telling me how he's this huge designer. He makes all this money and all this stuff. And, <laughs> you know, and of course, again, I'm just, you know, I just feel, I just play along, you know, and then about a couple of weeks later I was down on the strip 
and this guy is one of the guys. No, it was downtown. That's what it was. And he's one of the guys that are dressed like a fake fireman with his shirt off trying to get chips. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say he was begging for change, which is pretty much what he was doing. <laughs> pretty much what he was doing, but like, we made eye contact, and he was he almost like wanted to, he like wanted to crawl out of his skin when he saw oh, me. Oh, no. I was like, what's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> How's that design business going? Yeah, it looks like it's going really well. Really <laughs> You're you're one step away from being on your being on your knees turning tricks. So it looks like it's going real well. <laughs> of course, me, I'm like a ball buster. I'm like, man, you got some gorgeous abs on you. <laughs> well, you're good. You're a good bullshit detector because whenever someone brings up some story at the gym, it's like, yeah, I used to train with Arnold. No, you didn't. You know, like right away. <laughs> yeah, I used to be able to deadlift 600 pounds. No, you didn't. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. It's gonna fall out of my mouth one way or another. Yeah, it just comes. In. Sometimes stuff just comes out. You know, people say yeah. stupid shit, and you just respond before you have a chance to think about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely. I put my foot in my mouth a few times, but when you know that of yourself and you don't really care, then it works out. So. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never do it in a way of like, I don't know. I just I just feel like people in general again. Everyone just likes to act a certain way to put them. And I and then I've really realized as I've gotten older in life that I like I attract it. I have a sign. I'm apparently I have a sign on me that says, "Please come talk to me and tell me about your life." And what you are. So yeah, I think I have that same sign because every concert I go to, I inevitably get stuck to some drunk idiot. Oh, all the yeah. time. Yeah, to talk while the band is playing, so you can't hear shit. Anyway, even if I could hear, I don't want to talk. I'm here to watch the show. And they're drunk. Their breath is kicking, too. It's just like, dude, you're really ruining my moment. I paid all this money for these tickets. I didn't pay this money to smell your breath, your drunk breath right now. And get all this fucking spit on my face. Because they love to spit on you while they're talking. Because they swear what they're saying is so serious. But they're spewing like they're rent savage or something. You're, right. no, you're absolutely right. I'm asking for guide advice in mid, mid-Soundgarden mid show. But, but three years back. I go to the gym, I swear. No, you don't. Stop talking, please. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, go you know, to Jim's house. Is... You got a buddy named Jim. That's it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that happens to me at the blackjack table, right? You start talking to people at the table, and then guys smoking a cigarette, drinking. He's like, oh, so what do you do? I go, oh, I'm in the fitness industry. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm really into health and fitness. You know, I like to loosen up a little bit when I play cards and smoke my cigarettes. And you know, I was like, look, man, you know. You don't have to try to impress. I mean, you don't have to try to please me or something just because I said I don't care if you're into fitness or not. I could give a fuck. We're here to play blackjack. I'm not here to promote my business or try to get clients. (laughs) (laughs) It really brings the insecurities out of people, and they like they swear that you care about what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, man, I wish I cared. You You know what happens all the time out here at concerts is. Let's say you go to your seats and you're a little bit late. You missed the opening up act. There's always someone sitting there. And then you say, look, man, you're in my seat. And then they fuck it. And I show them my ticket. I go, look, you're in my seat. And then instead of just moving immediately, which is the right thing to do, they, they, they start looking up their ticket on their phone. And I was like, why are you looking up your ticket, man? I just showed you my ticket, dipshit. They're like, oh, I'm good. You're right. I was like, I know I'm right because I'm not a fucking idiot like you. you know? I can find my seat. No, you're right. Like, I've been in that situation. They make you feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah, all the time. Right. All the, okay, all how dare every you want your seat that you paid for? What the hell's wrong with you? You should donate these seats. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're just playing a gamble. They're going, okay, those are better seats than what I have, and no one's sitting in them yet. Right. So let's just go sit in those until maybe the guy will never show up. Or when he does, we'll just move. And that's fine. You know, you go ahead and sit there until I get there. But once I show up, get the fuck out of my seat. (laughs) I don't care if you're sitting there before I show up. Go ahead. You know, we leave immediately. I keep my seat warm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that happens. That that happens. I can think of so many times that's happened. And then the drunk story. I mean, it's either that or the drunk story or both. I mean, she, yeah. the, the funniest one was that was at the corn concert. This lady was sitting on this. It was at the pearls. So we're in the front row on the side, and there's basically a pillar that you can sit on, right? I mean, I don't think you're supposed to sit on it, but she was sitting there. So anyway, she's drunk off her ass, just totally blitzed. And sure enough, she just topples over like Humpty Dumpty. She just falls right on her ass. <laughs> and then I go down to help her come up, and I and I'm sitting there going, she either 
she either she either farted excessively or she crapped her pants. One or the other or both, right? <laughs> 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 I go, I'm going to leave her down there for a minute. Everyone else is trying to pick her up. I'm like, look, she's rattled, man. Don't try. Whenever someone falls over, everyone's always trying to pick them up immediately, like as if that's the best thing to do. I go, look, right. they're rattled. Leave them there for a second. You know, let them get their witch together, whatever witch they have left, and then bring them up. <laughs> But this kind of story happens all the time. Even when you get premium seats, this kind of shit happens. Even that's not an escape oh, from it. Oh, yeah. It's even worse because they feel like, well, I paid all this money. I can do what I want. I deserve to, you know, get shit-faced. I'm like, nah. You don't deserve to ruin my night. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> well, you, you got to you kind of got to give a little breathing room for the the, the crowd that's showing up to corn too. By the way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a very Manilow show, man. It's like you got to know your audience. I've been to a yeah, corn sure. show. There's some maybe more if this happened at Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah, you could get Tony Bennett or something. If you wait. So so how is this business going now? You've been doing this for about a year now, or how long has it been going on? Yeah, uh, probably, like, we we actually got up and running selling, like, mid, like, like June of last year. I mean, but we were taking pre-sales and stuff like that. So we had, we had like, a, a handful of people that actually kind of bought in early, you know, just because they liked the, the concept. We didn't even have – we didn't even have the first line of production yet, but uh, – yeah, so I'd say realistically, the last like the last five months, we've been really kind of trying to push forward and and sell, and like we're already I've sold in about twelve different countries now, which is kind of cool. Wow, we, uh, very cool. Yeah, it was. Um, I, honestly, I feel like you know, foreign people are quick to buy more than people over here when the when the item's a little bit you know pricier, because um, it's not a it's not a cheap item. We retail at three hundred bucks, and. Uh, you know, that way it gives us some leeway to run some specials and stuff like that. But, right. um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's just we're like I'm, I'm scheduled to do the L.A. Fit Expo this weekend. Uh, I'll be in Columbus to do the uh, Arnold Classic, and then I'm going to be up in Utah for the FitCon, which so which in the next three months all those things will be happening. So I'm just trying to hit nice, the circuit nice. and really – because we do – I honestly do better when I'm in person to let people actually try sure. it and use it because yeah. it's – like I said, when you see it online, it's cool, it looks cool and everything, but – when you actually get it in your hands and see that it's really durable, it works, it's it's a sturdy piece of equipment, then it's easier for people to justify the yeah, purchase. You know? someone, someone looks like you, you look like a very elite weightlifting guy, powerlifter, whatever you want to call it. So someone like you mm -hmm. in person demonstrating it's going to add more value for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty cool to see, too, when I'm standing there with Flex. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, just, that doesn't hurt. just the star, just the star factor alone, like in, you know, in, in bodybuilding and in that world yeah. in general, people come up to him and just really want to take a picture with him and stuff. So it's like, I honestly, I feel lucky that I've, I'm, uh, kind of able to be involved with it and kind of just see, see things from his perspective, you know, and yeah. he's been around, been around forever and in that world and really left the footprint. So I, I, I feel just as lucky to be involved with him as, you know, if you I don't know how, you know, he seems to be pretty appreciative that I would want him even be, you know, involved with this because he, he likes it, you know. So, right. right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you have a booth set up at these events or what are you doing there to promote it? Yeah, yeah, we'll have a booth. Um, and I, like, like I'm driving to Columbus. I'm not really looking forward to it, but. Wow, that's um, a long drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, financially, it just makes more sense because I want to, you know, these things aren't super light. So if I want to, right, right, you have to bring a lot of product. Yeah, it. yeah, I, yeah. Like I have a, a smaller lap machine. I bring a bar and some plates, and it's just to ship all that stuff and hope that it, it gets there. It makes more sense to drive. Right, there's a lot going, there's a lot of moving parts involved. So you sell yeah. these at these events. Do you find that you sell enough to justify the cost of the booth, or at this point, are you just focused on the promotion side? You're not worried about the profit so much. Uh, no, one thing I've taken from Angry Joe, I never wanted to lose money. You know, I mean, that's right, one thing right. when I, you know, I, I do get the cost of marketing and stuff like that. But being that I do all the marketing, I do all the, you know, the design and all that stuff. It, that, A, that saves me a lot of money. But then at the same time, um, I, I don't feel like I should go somewhere and lose money. If not, at least break even, cover my costs and call it a wash. I'm okay with that. But right. for me, I'm always trying to just make a profit, you know, because then, yeah, of course, 
you know, it just makes more business-wise. Boots are expensive. Yeah, boots are expensive. I mean, they can be ten, fifteen thousand dollars depending on where you're at. Yeah. And I've, yeah, and I've, I've, I've had people ask me to share a booth with them in the past. Actually, this is when I was doing kettlebells, and I go, that doesn't make any – there's no way we're going to make our money back. I mean, you think I'm going to sell mm-hmm. 100 videos at a booth at the or, or at the Mr. Olympia? That's not going to happen. So I always shot that down. Now with my supplement line, it makes more sense, but I just calculate how much product I would have to move just to break even, and it's a lot. And honestly – more importantly than that, I don't I don't want to sit at a booth and explain the benefits of the products over and over and over again to each person yeah. that comes by. That's just my personality. Just no, 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 I'm, you know what? I'm like that to an extent. I'm 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 good with handling people, but you know when you feel that everyone is just uh, kind of looking for something for free, and you got to exactly. Give it a That's spirit, the other thing. I don't. I don't I don't give it. <laughs> just, you know, you know, I can't. I can't pretend to fake like knowing that these people aren't even interested. You know, what I mean, it's, I actually had a well, you guy had, you had, you had funny story. You had that funny story with Angry Joe where you were selling cups of the coffee and someone came over and just started drinking one, and then you're like, "Hey, man, by the way, that's five bucks or whatever it was that you were charging for it." You know? Yeah. No, I used to get that all the time. Is this free? Absolutely not. When is the last time you went anywhere and anything was free? Stop that. Yes, exactly. I got emailed me yesterday, right? He goes, I've tried a lot of testosterone boosters out there, and I haven't had good results. He's like, would you be willing to send me a free bottle for me to test drive? And I was like, no, I would not be willing to send you a free bottle. First like, of you know all, look at your track record. You suck at testosterone boosters. So <laughs> yeah, why, exactly. Why, why, why waste a bottle on this dude when you can't get it right with the other ones that you have? <laughs> there's, there's that, and it's also look. I have a 30 day money back guarantee, so there's no risk on your part. You buy it, you try it for a month, you don't like it, you get a refund, no big thing. I'm not going to just send you a bottle. Right. I mean, I'm not desperate for business. This, the, frankly, the, the problem I have is keeping it in stock, not getting people to try it. And the product sells right. my number one selling product by far, and it's always an issue of getting inventory. Like right now I'm about, I'm a, I'm getting close to running out of inventory in the next month or two. So I'm not I'm not doing any promotion right now because I have to make it last for another two months. The last thing I'm gonna do is send a free bottle to some dipshit who even if he does like it probably will buy it on Amazon from one of my wholesalers or come back with another name and buy it and then say, Oh yeah, it didn't work for me. Let me get a refund so we can let me see how many free bottles I can get, basically. You know, that kind of mentality. Well, to be honest with you, too, I mean, people who are looking for something for free, they're not return cut. They're not going to be – they're not buying. You know what I mean? No, and of that's, course not. That's exactly. Too. If you're not willing to put out $2 or $3 for a cup of coffee, then it's like, come on, man. You know what <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's what I do. It's like, come As on. As a coffee drinker, I'm looking for coffee no matter what. Like, now I do these right. demos. I'm so used to having coffee with me. I'm like, I do – I'm doing the demos to the back widow. I'm like, what the hell is my coffee? I'll, I'll pay 10 bucks for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> So, right. Uh, and plus, it's your business owner, you want to support other people's businesses too, yeah, right? Like, yeah, I have people for me free stuff all the time. I'm like, no, 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 I'll pay for it. I want to support your business. You don't have to give it to me for free. I mean, that's nice that they're offering, but I want to support because I get it. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years now, so I, I get it. I understand the hustle. It, it, it is a hustle, man. It's a grind. You know, and mm-hmm. anyone, I think people have the misconception of if you open a business or start a business, like you immediately have money. It's just, no, that's. Uh, right. That's not the – it's quite the opposite of that. <laughs> you know? so. on that saying, oh, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Bullshit. It's still work. I mean, it's, it's work I want to do, but it's work, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you, that's fucking work. You, know? it's, yeah. you understand the end game, but that, that's, that's work. That's not fun. Yeah. No, I, I agree, man. And I have – honestly, I, I get people all the time telling me, oh, you're lucky you work for yourself. And, you, and I'm like, yeah, hey, go, you know what? Honestly – I have no problem working for someone. I just, I just want to be, I just want to be paid what I feel my value is at this point. If I went back and got right. a job somewhere, I'd, I'd take a job only looking for something, uh, a salary that I felt that I was worth at this point. You know, so right. it's right. Just, my biggest issue is working with other the other people <laughs> when I work for someone. It wasn't really just having a boss. It was the lack of work ethic with people, and most people are willing to just want to complain and sit there rather than actually getting up and just doing what they're being paid for, you know? Right. So Right. Well, you, you remind me of my friend Christos because he was a bartender too. And what I mean is he had a really good work ethic and he was really good at engaging customers where he worked. Mm-hmm. So he actually had a lot of people. He worked at a PT's near Mark Phillippe's gym. He, he lives in Florida now, but when he lived out here, he worked at a PT's near Mark Phillippe's gym off Rainbow. 
And mm-hmm. he had he would just put up a post on social media saying, hey, I'm going into work now. And a lot of the people who liked him would show up because they wanted to be around mm-hmm. his positive energy. So he was really good at it. And his complaint was mm-hmm. just what you said. A lot of the coworkers would just sit around. They would complain. They, they wouldn't do the cleaning they're supposed to do. He'd have to be on their ass about it. So that was oh, his biggest gripe as well. It's the worst, where people are complaining it's too busy. They're complaining it's too slow. So basically, you <laughs> want to walk in, you want someone to give you $400, and then you can just go home. <laughs> so I don't like uh, it's – you can never make everyone happy, apparently, but I don't know. So, well, what, when, you worked at the Palazzo, when you worked at the Palazzo, I mean, I, I would stop by every once in a while. It, it was fun just to hang out there because of the kind of the kind of clientele that would show up. You'd have hookers showing up. You know, you'd have all <laughs> kinds of deviants showing up. I was like, this is fucking great, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely like. I I just always was a, like I had this, the the mindset of where if there's girls at my bar, hookers or not, everyone else follows. So and that that was always the case. So. I would promote all the hookers. <laughs> That's a good philosophy, right? You no, know, they, they knew if they got out of line. It's like I literally, I'll never forget the one night I was sitting in that lounge that I worked at. And I had about, I had there was about probably twelve chairs at that bar, and eight of them yeah. were hookers, <laughs> and they were all like mad dogging each other. They all like because you know they're impeding on each other one's territory. You know what I mean? So it's like, but they knew I'd have them removed or kicked out of the casino if they got out of line so like right it was i kind of felt like a a bartender slash pimp at the same time (laughs) (laughs) i I think i think the downside of that line of work is is you're a very creative person right so you're not going to have that outlet per se doing that kind of work so i I think inevitably you would have gone the entrepreneurial route just because of that creative energy you have yeah, no, and that I always thought when I was bartending, you know, just had the thought of, um, you know, wondering where I was going type of thing. But now looking back, yeah. Yeah. the bartending was just a step, another step into where I was headed because, you know, I look, I bartending, I still bartend. I feel like when you're in, engaging with people and you're talking to people, it, it doesn't matter what you're serving, really. You're still, right. you know, right. how do you engage and how do you talk to people? And that's paid off for me a lot you know, networking, all that stuff. So I wouldn't even be with the back widow. I wouldn't even be in the situation I was if I wasn't like good at networking, you know? Right. So I feel lucky to have, to be here where I'm at just because of, of just getting out there and talking to people, you know, it helps. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So. And in Vegas, you have such a variety of people, especially if you work on the strip coming through that mm-hmm. you learn how to interact effectively with people from all over the world that are coming through. Yep. Yeah, and I, you know, I I try never to burn a bridge. That's like one of my my things. I'm never trying to. Granted, there's some people you just can't get along with, but um, for the most part, I'd say 98% of the time, I I walk away from a situation, and uh, it's always a positive a positive ending or whatever you want to call it. But I try never to just walk away and you know. I, 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 me personally, I hate for a walk away situation. Someone call me an asshole or like, wow, that guy sucks at what he does. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I try to keep that in the back of my head when I'm, when I'm dealing with people. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good approach. Well, what's your training like these days? You still doing competitive powerlifting or what's your focus right now? No, man. I, I, unfortunately I've been dealing with some nerve issues and probably from oh. all the heavy, heavy lifting and, uh, yeah. I've been. I'm still at the gym. I'm still there five days a week and just doing what I need to do to to stay fit and feel good because that's kind of yeah. my end goal. That's my main goal right now is just to wake up, feel good. And I know I have some some spine issues going on that I've been seeing doctors, wow. and that's a whole, that's a whole other topic as far as the medical <laughs> the medical industry right now. It's just oh, you know paying out of pocket to see these these specialists, and they keep referring me to something else just so I can keep paying, and it's like. Yeah. yeah, and they don't like that you do your own research either. You walk in there, you kind of no, have. No, they idea. never do. You know, they never do. So. Especially a general practitioner, you start talking about hormones. They're like, "Oh, that stuff doesn't matter." But first of all, why are you worried about that right now? Well, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't have that experience because I don't go to general. I, I go to anti aging doctor. I have I, I have an anti aging doctor, a friend over on Rainbow in town. So if I have questions, I go to that guy because he's very knowledgeable about stuff that I care about. I'm not going to just go to some general practitioner and have a finger stuck in my ass for my prostate, <laughs> you know, look at my cholesterol levels and then tell me, oh, who cares about your testosterone? I'm not going to go to someone that ignorant. 
but a lot of people no, do go to that and they deal with that kind of I look at doctors as just like a, a professional opinion, right? I mean, I, I go yeah. in there, I do my research, and what I've been experiencing is like it's nothing you could say, okay, there's the issue. Um, cut, it's not a cut and dry situation. So I've been really yeah. trying to get to the bottom of it. And for me, the training is like I never correlated my, my symptoms probably the last five, six years that things have gone, come and gone um, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the weight training and being a nerve right. issue. And right. Now I think I haven't squatted or deadlifted in about a year and a half, mainly because wow. I'm wow. Just, just because I'm I'm trying to like heal myself because I've done some damage, you know. Yeah. And and not and just because I'm what I was always very good at going to the gym was pushing myself to the next level. That's what I enjoyed. But no doubt now I have to get myself in the mindset of okay, you got to kind of take it easy. You go in there and you know I'm really strict. I try to work on spine alignment and all that stuff and. So I, I don't, you know, my goal isn't here to be crippled, <laughs> you know, as much as it's fun to get in there and lift and, and lift really heavy. Cause I do, I really yeah. enjoy it. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you know, this is where, where it's gone for me. So I have to also know when to back up for a minute and figure out what's going on before I move forward, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. There's a yeah. line where if you cross it, it's, it's diminishing returns. I had a goal to deadlift six plates and I did that last year. And then, and then I started, and then, then you start immediately thinking, okay, let's go to 600. Let's go to 650. Let's go to yeah. 700. But then, but then after a while I go, where's the line where you injure yourself and you don't come back from it. Maybe that line, you never cross it if you play it smart, but sure. the, the heavier you go, the more the risk is not in your favor. And Absolutely. I've already had I've I've had my share of injuries as well. I had this groin tear, which was excruciatingly painful. It happened like two weeks ago. It wasn't a full tear, but it was it was definitely a tear because it's in the groin and basically the lower midsection. I found that active release technique. I know a really good guy, physical therapist, chiropractor near my house. Mm-hmm. He's really good. I went to him immediately. I've had four sessions with him, and the pain is about. 75% gone now. That and also I had stem cells. A friend of mine, Dr. Julio Garcia, he does stem cells and platelet-rich plasma. I had that injected right in the area. And the combination of the two has made a huge difference because it's only 10 days later. And the pain mm-hmm. is still there, but it's it's at least 75% less. I can't squat right now. I can't do deadlifts off the floor, but I've been doing – I don't know if I can or can't. I just ha- I've just been avoiding deadlifts off the floor. But I find that just below the knee I can do, and I can go pretty heavy. And I go, okay, that's good because I don't, I don't want to lose my grip strength, and I don't want to lose the feel of heavy weights if I go too long without lifting anything heavy. But at the same time, I'm thinking I don't want to experience this kind of <laughs> this kind of injury again or something worse. So you start thinking oh, along the lines of, you just want to feel good. I don't want to be strong for a moment in my life, and then I'm walking around in pain. Like a lot of powerlifters, look at someone like Louis Simmons. He's just in pain everywhere, yeah. and he's accepted that. He's like, hey, I'm just in pain every day, and that's just my. This is the price I paid for everything I wanted to do, and he's okay with that, and that's great. But I don't think I would be okay with that. No, I think I think it's being smart. I mean, to me, it's like if I don't, if I ignore all the signs that are going. And, uh, but I mean, you keep, if you ignore those signs and keep pushing forward just because your ego gets in the way, then you're going to have some serious, serious problems. Cause you know, oh, yeah. I, I think it comes down to structure too. I mean, you have guys that train their whole life and never have it, you know, they might have the, the normal wear and tear and some injuries here and there, but you know, they feel good, but you do damage to your spine. I, for me, I feel personally like my, with my structure, I shouldn't have been, my structure isn't meant to handle over 700 pounds on a squat. You know, yeah. I think at, yeah. at some point it just becomes a mindset. And um, I just remember the day I squatted 730, 735 in the gym, and I knew my goal was to hit 800 that training cycle, and I knew that I wasn't going to squat another pound. That's the way I felt yeah. after, yeah. after that squat session, yeah. you know. And I, was like, <laughs> I honestly, like, it was, you know, you think it's, oh, it's only 60 pounds more, but I really, right. like, you know, it's just the way I felt after that and how everything was just – felt awful you know like <laughs> and it just, I, don't, it I felt like that when i when i delivered six plates and people see the clip they're like oh man you made it look easy i was like i'll tell you what it didn't feel easy when i did it i felt like my back was going to break in half that's why I, was, I, I accelerated as fast as i could because i was about to hit a sticking point and that's when i just screamed it out i didn't scream because 
I'm trying to channel Spartacus. I scream because <laughs> I need to finish this rep quickly. So it was that kind of like, ah, all right, good, it's over. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's really what it is. Both, you know, all those lifts are made for speed. You know, if the faster yeah, you can yeah, get them done, yeah. the better you prevent injury that yeah. way. And, um, just trying to they're, that they're like, you. man, you did it really fast. I was like, if I don't do it fast, it's not going at all. Because I'm not one of these guys who's going to struggle with it above the knees like you see on YouTube, and they're contorting their back, and they're that's yeah. not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Face is melting like they just looked at the Ark of Covenant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, that you know, was there's, a of, there's a lot of misinterpretation out there nowadays, you know. Um, I mean, yeah. as you see, and I, I always, you know, I always, I've been helping some people. I help some people here and there, and um, it's it's really like volume. People just do way too much volume uh, in general. Right. With, right. with squatting and deadlifting, and they don't even know why they're doing it. They're doing it because they saw some, you know, training block from some other guy or whatever. But yeah. I always tell them that, you know, just break up a really long session to the course of the week, and you see progress that way, and you give your body, even though you're doing it often, you're giving your body a chance to be able to recover a little bit because once your oh, nervous yeah. 100%. system rides, it takes weeks for your nervous system to come back to, to right. full 100%, you know? Exactly. So, but that's that's very important advice right there. And I found similar things with with my deadlifting regimen last year. Most of the most of the workouts were between 70 and 80 percent of my one rep max at that time. And I was just, I would do it frequently four times a week, sometimes trap bar, sometimes barbell deadlift, sometimes partial, sometimes deficit, different moves of a, old variations of the deadlift. And I would do it often, and none of these stats were close to failure. All the reps were done as quickly as possible, drilling down technique. And I did that for several months, and I call that deposit training, where you're just making deposits, making deposits, making deposits. Yeah. And then I go into withdrawal training, where I would do something such as Jim Wendler's 531 program. Okay, let's do a five rep max this week. Let's do a three rep max the following week. Let's do a one rep max after that. And I just I did two cycles of that to get up to that six plate lift and then i just went right back to deposit training people are like oh you should go for 600 now i go no no it's like you said about squatting 735 it's, it's not there right now safely it's like, it may be there right now but at what cost so i'd right. rather do something and stay within my limits not kill my body but you also get warnings like you said no go ahead go ahead no no i'll just say deadlifts and deadlifts you know as much as they deadlift benefits one way and squat benefits another they're, they're two different lifts and uh deadlift affects the body like no other like if you're just grinding out and grinding out heavy heavy you know i love how people say yeah. i'm only doing 80 percent well if you're doing 80 percent of say 700 you know yeah, that's so a long. lot of weight you know? <laughs> your, body, your body doesn't know the poundage it's on the body it's just so stress right, right? so it's like, <laughs> that's, that's, right. A lot of, that's a lot of weight so it's, <laughs> i tell people if you want to pr in your deadlift take three weeks off from right now don't do not deadlift again for three weeks and come back and deadlift. I guarantee. And probably, every time I've told some of that, they probably put fifty pounds on their lift. Just because yeah, that's a good point. It's not about technique at that point. It's just about giving your body some rest and a, a chance to adapt. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a really good point. Mike Menster used to do that with his trainees when they would, whenever they would hit a plateau, because he did really high intensity training going to failure. And whenever mm -hmm. people hit a plateau, he said, "Take ten days to two weeks off, then come back." And he said that everyone came back stronger. Now, I, one caveat is I did talk to some people who tried that, and they said they came back weaker. <laughs> you know, but so it just depends on the move, I think, more than anything else. But with deadlifts, I think you could probably do it once every two weeks and make more progress than if you did it once every week really heavy. Or you do yeah, a, you, a higher frequency yeah. program and and forget 80%, maybe 60 to 70% most of the time, and then you scale it up for a peaking phase. Sure. And I'm a firm believer, too, that the squat benefits the deadlifts way more than the deadlifts would benefit the squat. So if yeah. uh, I, I would say squat more, you know, with reasonable weight and deadlift less. And, again, this is not for the novice. This is not for the person who doesn't know form and not sure what they're doing as far as technique. Mm -hmm. This is down the road once you've kind of got past that, you know, the uh, – what do they call that – the the glory phase or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's when for more of an experienced lifter that gets that, you know, you're not, you don't have to sit there and worry, worry about technique all the time. You have that kind of ingrained already. And then, you know, you squat, you could, 
you know, on those days you don't feel that great, you can back up on the weight and still get a great a great session in. But deadlift, some days that that weight feels like it's bolted to the floor. So um, <laughs> you really yeah. kind of have to treat them, treat them a little bit differently, you know. Right, right. And there's no point pushing through it when you're significantly weaker on a lift. Like, well, oh, let me just try to go for it anyway. I go, why? <laughs> you know, you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna lift anything close to what you can do when you're fresh. So you might as well just yeah. drill down that technique or work on a variation. Yeah, but you always get warnings with injuries, just like you were saying. With this groin tear, I had some groin pain after I tried a heavy trap bar deadlift at home. And then I'm like, all right, let me just take a week off. And then the pain went away. And then I started doing deficit deadlifts and relatively light, no pain. As I scaled it up, I started feeling a little bit of pain. I go, I'll just push through it. And then the one day where the tear happened, I was doing trap bar deficit deadlifts. And the warm-up sets were painful. And my bright idea was, let me just put on more weight because that'll help. (laughs) (laughs) Then I lifted a weight that wasn't even heavy for me. I think it was 425. It's not heavy for me at all. And then it came off the ground. I go, that was kind of painful. I was like, all right, let me just do another rep. And then that's where I felt a tear. And it really freaked me out because I could feel a tear happen. And I just dropped the weight immediately. And it didn't feel that painful right away. But as the day progressed, as I was driving home, I, I really thought about driving to the emergency room. I go, maybe I should just drive myself to the hospital because this is really bad. And yeah. I'm like, all right, let me just yeah. go home. I'm lying on the couch at home. And then one of my legs fell off because I was taking a nap. And then I just went to raise it back up. And it was I couldn't do it. It was excruciatingly painful. I couldn't yep. sit up straight. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> man, I think I either have a hernia, a, a, a groin tear, or both. Because I was reading about all the symptoms online. They go, yeah, if you have a groin tear, you're not going to be able to sit up straight. You're going to have this pain in this area. And I had all of those symptoms. Yeah. That really freaked me out. Well, when I get into the active release, oh, yeah, it's so painful, man. You want to talk about a sensitive area. I've had some pretty bad shoulder pain and lower back pain, and that wasn't fun. But this this was by far the worst because it was so sharp. You couldn't even sleep. I'm trying to sleep. If I just moved my right leg, it would the pain would just shoot right up. <laughs> so it was it was terrible. But I got to say, the active release technique, which I've always responded really well with a variety of injuries, whether it's knee injuries or shoulder injuries, lower back, I've always responded really well. Just one session made a big difference. It knocked the pain down. Yeah. And as he worked on it, he was confident that I mean, you don't know if it's a full tear or not unless you do a it's some kind of X-ray. But he's, he basically said, if it's a full tear, you're, you're going to be in excruciating pain. You're not even going to be able to walk. So the fact that you can walk right now, you drove here, you walked in here, most, most likely it's a partial tear. And I, I, I think that's probably the case. Now, something like this is going to take time, though, to get back to 100%. So it's in, you're just going to injure it again or make it worse if you try to get back to what you were doing too soon. So I'm playing it smart right now and just working on other things. But the, yeah. the, the lesson learned is that there were warning signs along the way. It's not like this has happened out of nowhere. It's not like I was just training and then all of a sudden I had a groin tear out of nowhere. There were warning signs along the way, and I chose to ignore them to my detriment. Yep. No, I've, I think we've all done that. I think we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as you get older, too, I mean, I'm finding out that, you know, like what, what I literally what I could have did five years ago and what I'm doing now are two different things. You know, you just – you kind of have to adapt, and I think that's the only way you become knowledgeable in this whole field, if you want to call it that. Um, there's no way you can know everything in your 20s or even in your 30s, no. because if you continue, no. if you continue on with this, you only experience different things uh, that you have to handle and still try to push through smartly. But you right. know, so that's why it's like a life. It's a life thing. You know what I mean? You just you're like, all right, this is what I deal with now. Now I got to work around it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes you're just too tough for your own good. Sounds like you fall, you definitely fall in that category. But I was thinking, I remember Mark Phillippe told me a story when he was doing strongman competitions where one of the events was some kind of squatting event. I don't think it was with a barbell, but it was it was that kind of motion. And as he was banging out the reps, he tore a quad muscle. But mm-hmm. instead of stopping, he just did good mornings to finish it off. <laughs> you know, that's the level of that's the level of mental toughness a guy like him has. But yeah. fast forward. Years fast forward years later, he had to get, I believe, hip replacement surgery. He had to get knee surgery, and he's doing well now. But he put his body through the grinder. I remember, I remember oh, yeah. he told me when I used to train over there that, and when he wakes up in the morning, and it's a lot better now. But at that time, he said when he wakes up in the morning, he's in big time pain, and then he just deals with it as the day goes on. 
So it's, the pain is still right. there, but he just adapts to it. That's not a good thing, though. <laughs> you know, you'd be better no, off no. if you didn't adapt to it so that you go get treated effectively. I don't like being in yeah. pain. So even if I can deal with it, I'm not someone who's just going to sit around for a month in pain. I'm going to go do proactive no. shit to get back to where I, I need agree. to go. I'm trying to I'm trying to apply that you know that's why I'm trying to do what I'm doing now is that I'm I'm just trying to be smart about it you know I I want to be able to I want like I'm not I'm not you know I'm in my 40s I'm not in 70 you know right <laughs> I want to get up and feel good you know I think there's, that's a you know that's that's a possibility I just have to be smart about it and I have to come to the realization that you know a lot of times our ego takes us down the road that we. Uh, do we really even need to be going down there? <laughs> you know? Right. So that's that's what I'm working on. It's as much as it's all of it's physical. It's at the end of the day, it really comes down to the mental that you have to work on right. because you beat yourself up. You know, and there's do you really yep. need to beat yourself up? <laughs> you know? No. So. Just look at Ronnie Coleman. Have you seen that documentary on yeah, Netflix? Yeah, it's hard to watch. Oh. <laughs> that's hard yeah. to watch, man. Because I remember watching him when I was. I guess in my 20s or so when he was competing at a high level, when he was winning the Olympia, and he was so strong. You're like, wow, that guy's crazy strong. But you look at the price you pay. Look how beat up his yeah. body is now. And it's, and it's a combination of many things, but all of that, all the 800-pound squats and 700-pound deadlifts definitely didn't help. No. Well, he even said it. I mean, when you see those videos of him, like, walking lunges with 315 or something ridiculous, he, he was <laughs> yeah, saying right. how he he, he said, he goes, at that point, I already had herniated discs and all kind of back. And then just, you know, he let the, you know, he let the drugs override, take take control and override all that pain, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, he's paying the price, man. He doesn't seem, you know, he full, fully accountable, though, which I appreciate. You know, I mean, he definitely takes full accountability for his actions. And Sorry, man, I'm going to cut you off. I got to <laughs> have a, a, a plumber here at the house that I got to take care of. Oh, okay, cool, man. Yeah, we can wrap up. Just uh, where where do people where can people go to find out more about the Black Widow? www.backwidow.com, oh, uh, uh, and then you know Instagram or Facebook. It's just Flex Wheeler's Back Widow. Okay, man. Cool. Well, hey, man. Great talking to you. Glad things are going I really well. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you at the gym soon. We can catch up. Yeah, man. Let's get together soon. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Right, you take care. Bye.